Well, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in, yeah? It's a painful world at times. And uh, the message we're talking about this morning, I've titled, if you look at your notes, um, A Well-Rested Life. I believe that Jesus offers us a well-rested life in spite of whatever circumstances we're in. I myself just went through a season of hardship, to be honest. I, I came off of a sabbatical. The sabbatical was kind of the last resort in dealing with just a bunch of stuff that was weird in my life, personal issues, things with my wife and in my family, uh, outside attacks from people we trusted and things were turned upside down and attacks were made. Just a lot of junk, a lot of stuff, yeah? You want to use the other S word to describe it, but it's stuff, right? And it's just, ugh, and it hurts, and it's, you don't know how to deal with it, and you just, you just want to rest. If I were to tell you guys right now, like, think of one thing in your life that you could need a, you need a rest from, instantly, all of us could instantly go there, right? Go, oh my gosh, the, my marriage is just not what it used to be. It's really bad, or my relationship with my kids, or maybe there's friends, or the, the job that you're at. Some people love their jobs, and some of us, it's just all we can do just to show up every day, and we're struggling, or maybe it's the economy. You know, a lot of us are facing that. Like, I, I don't know if I can even make my bills. God, I'm in the red here. Where are you? I've been faithful. And maybe it's just your, your walk of faith. Maybe you're trying your best to be a good, godly person, and you're just not reaping the rewards, and you don't know why you're under such attack and persecution, and you feel like it's from one bad season to the next. Well, I'm going to tell you that I got some verses to share with you here this morning that have been personal favorites for me. I think it's great. I think it's genius that Tom said, we're going to start a series on verses you can't live without because it gives the opportunity to the pastor or the preacher for that service to come up here and share from the heart verses that really mean a lot. So today, the verses you're going to hear are verses from me that I found that helped give me rest and helped get me back on my feet when I've been dealing with a lot of just stuff, as we say. For the past couple of years, it's been a season of awesome highs and amazing good things, but in the background, fighting back some other stuff. And the reason I can get up here and preach this sermon is because I believe I'm onto something that I found what it is to have a well-rested life. That the season that I went through, I'm not in that season anymore, praise God. That I can stand here this morning and tell you with a smile on my face and, and, and rest in my soul that God is a good God and he's willing to see you through any situation you're going through. And the amazing thing is that no matter what the storm, God can create a place of rest in your soul as the battle and the storm rages on around you in your life. Do you guys believe that? And sometimes that's the better miracle than taking the storm away, the fact that you can have peace in the middle of the trial and the trouble, and yet there's this, this inner working of the Holy Spirit and God's love for you in your life that says you have a peace that no one understands. It says in the Bible the world doesn't understand it, but to be honest with you, I don't even understand it. All I know is I was hurting, but I ran to Jesus and I discovered something that says I should still be hurting, but I'm not hurting anymore because my God is good and I can find that peace. So I'm going to share a couple of verses with you guys this morning that have done that for me, that have helped, and take, helped take me through the storm into a good place in life. And that doesn't mean the storm's over. That doesn't mean that another storm is not going to come tomorrow, but I believe that we can figure out how to have peace in the midst of it. I wish that I could preach a sermon this morning that says, you find Jesus and all of your problems go away. Wouldn't that be the greatest sermon ever preached, right? You find Jesus and everything is dealt with, but even Jesus promised, look, I had problems. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. This, in this world, there's a promise we're going to read in, in one of the verses today that says, he promised us that in this world, we will have trials and sorrows. And yet, if we stick close to him, he has overcome the world. And so 
the, the point of the, the sermon today is to say that, guys, we are going to suffer. We're going to go through hard. I'm human. I'm your pastor, and I went through some stuff, but I'm through it, and I'm standing here today knowing that life goes on and that God does offer peace in the midst of those storms. So I'm going to speak from the heart a little bit today and just share some stuff about why I like um, this topic on living a well-rested life. Um, if you guys will look at the first verse with me, this is Jesus talking now. This is Jesus talking to the masses as he's walking around, preaching and teaching. And this is the thing you got to remember. Here's a little side thing that I've been thinking about recently, um, just based on recent events in our, in our uh, state government and politics and stuff like that. Remember that Jesus, everywhere he went, people followed him because he had something attractive and appealing that he spoke from a different point than the Pharisees did about the Old Testament law and about religion and about the standards, Jesus came in with his outpouring of grace and mercy and peace and love. And all of his enemies were even like, what is this guy all about? He has something. He's got the power to do these miracles and he proves it by the power, but his message is so, it's appealing, it's interesting, it drew them in. And here's why I say I think we need to remember that, is we as Christians need to remember that we should definitely stand on what God is saying to stand on, on our faith, on our beliefs, on what God says is the best possible life. However, we got to make sure that the world around us can look at us and go, they're standing on their values, but there's still something about them that is appealing, that makes me want to know them and hang out with them. Even if I don't agree with them, I want what they have because it's Jesus, it's love, it's different, it's grace, it's mercy, it's hope. Do you guys get what I'm saying? We need to always be careful to have that same heart and that same spirit that isn't repelling the world around us because that's the opposite of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is that we get in the world, get out into it, and we bring people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we got to look good and attractive and appealing to do that, otherwise we're living in vain. Does that make sense? So I believe that this, as Jesus was walking around, people were like, what is this guy saying? And thousands of people were just following him and listening to him. And, and he, he takes advantage of the opportunity and he draws people in. He always drew people to himself. He piqued their interest. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. And I'm sorry, but I just love the message version on this passage of scripture. There's other ones that say, you know, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And, and I, I love that. But man, this one gets to the heart. Jesus pulls us in by saying this, are you tired Worn out, burned out on religion? If I were to ask you right now, is anybody in the room tired or worn out or, or, or burned out or even burned out by religion or just people or problems or situations? How many of you guys would say, yes, I could use a rest right now? Tell me how to have a well-rested life, right? I should probably see every single hand go up in here because none of us are just like, my life is perfect. It's never completely perfect. But we all struggle with different hardship and different things. And here's Jesus kind of asking the people, because they're kind of like, what's this guy all about? He draws them in. Are you tired? Anybody here worn out, burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Can you imagine those guys? Wait, what is he talking about? Recover my life? Yeah, I'm burned out. What do you mean come to you? I don't, what are you talking about, right? He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What Jesus is promising us through relationship with him is that we can have a well-rested life. And I'm not talking about physically well-rested, because, you know, we all have friends that, like, sometimes they make our day by this, we show up, and they're like, hey, you look really well-rested. 
right? And you're kind of like, oh, thanks. But the reality is the physical appearance doesn't always tell what's going on in the mind, the heart, and the soul, right? You can be looking well-rested. In reality, you're freaking out and you're having panic attacks because life is building building up and piling up and you're dealing with your kids and your the economy and your job and the this and the that and that. And someone tells you, hey, look well-rested. So I'm not talking about what it looks like physically because there's also times when I have real friends that not just tell me I look well-rested, but they tell me the opposite. I look the opposite. Anybody got the real friends like that? You show up to work and they're like, hey, Carl, ooh, you look thrashed. Like, what? Oh, thanks a lot, right? They just tell you, oh, yeah, you look super tired. And, and, and the reality is it's not about the physical appearance because I'm going, I just got the greatest sleep of my life. I'm sorry I still look like I'm asleep, but inside I'm feeling really good. And here's what I think that Jesus is trying to say here is I'm promising you a life that's well-rested that Psalms 116 verse 7 says it best. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. I'm not preaching you a message today that's like a little pretty bow tie. You're going to feel great and all of this stuff. Instantly, you're going to look better. I'm preaching something deeper and better than that, that Jesus is saying, I can give you rest for your, your head, for your heart, for your soul, for your whole being. And there's times when you're going to feel dragged through the mud and physically you're going to feel like, ah, oh, depleted. But on the inside, you could say, but my God is good. And it's okay. And I have rest. And I can walk through this life of trial after trial, but I'm doing okay. I don't know about you, but that's a good life to live, yeah? That you may not always look perfect, but you know inside, my soul is at rest. And my soul can find rest because the Lord has been good to me. Anybody interested in what I'm talking about this morning? Somebody? Anybody? You know? Okay, let's find some rest here. There's a few things I want to talk about this morning. In regards to this verse, because I think it's just so good. Jesus is just, just connecting with us. Here's the first thing I want you to realize out of this verse and why I'm telling you that this ought to be one of the verses that you cannot live without. The first thing is, it tells me that Jesus is the source of rest and peace. And that sounds like a no-brainer. That sounds like, duh, you're a Christian. We know that. God is the source of Jesus. You know, Jesus is the source of rest and peace. But here's the problem. Here's why I'm making a point to know that. In the season of, of hardship that I've been going through and the, the tough valleys and whatnot, God had to remind me that Jesus is the source. When Jesus says, come walk with me, come work with me, I will show you how to live. Follow after what I do. I had to remember that the focus is on him. Here's the problem with us as humans. We're Christians. We know Jesus is the source. But a lot of times he's like the third or fourth option on the list. You guys know what I'm talking about? If something goes wrong in your life instantly and someone goes, oh, you know what? I heard something just all about that on Oprah the other day. She said, da 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 and you're like, oh, really? Oh, I should try that. Dr. Phil, oh, cool, right? And then it takes us a little while to go, oh, wait, I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to go to Jesus, right? We, maybe you're not all like that, but maybe it's sometimes uh, like a little bit like this is, here's what was wrong with me in my time of hardship. I thought Jesus was my source of peace and rest. I thought I was going to him, but you know how I was going to him? God, I know you are strong enough to fix the problem that I have, so I'm coming to you to fix it. But I'm telling you how to fix it. I'm telling you when I want it fixed. I'm telling you who you need to fix. But I trust you. You're my source. But I'm the one giving him all the, calling all the shots, giving him all the information, telling him what, when, how, and why he needs to fix what's wrong in my life. Can anybody relate to that one right there? We think, I'm going to Jesus, he's the source, but you're being Jesus' boss and trying to tell him all the things that he needs to do. I'm, I'll leave it up to you as long as you do it like this, 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 and this. And it's all you. And, and Jesus, in his loving voice to me, that still small voice to me, 
that comes when I come to him with prayers like that. He's just like, oh, Carl, shut up. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that from, from Jesus? In a loving way, as loving as possible, he just says, get out of the way because I'm trying to fix the problems in your life. Stop telling me what to do. Let me be the source of the rest and peace. You guys get what I'm saying here? That's why the first thing that God had to teach me in this is he alone is the source of rest and peace. Here's what he said right there. He's telling the people, come to me. Get away with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so this first thing that I had to understand is it is absolutely about going to Jesus first as a source, not to trying all my options and then trying Jesus, but I got to go to him as a source. Here's the second thing about this rest that he's talking about giving us. The second thing I want you to write down is that rest requires surrender. Anybody believe that? Rest requires surrender. To get to all that Jesus has for you, I have to completely get out of the way. I have to not fight against what he's trying to do. I have to basically stop so he can go in my life. How many of you guys like that um, slogan, that sticker, the t-shirts? The I think I saw it in Ethan's like little lanyard thing or whatever. He greater than I. Anybody like that brand? I love that brand. I love what that stands for. He greater than I. The problem is we don't always live what that says. I wear it on my t-shirt but I kind of think, well, coming to Jesus as a Christian, I'm going to add a little bit of Jesus to my life. He, he greater than I. And we, like, we profess it, but the reality is we don't add Jesus to our life. We surrender our whole life under Jesus. You guys get what I'm saying? That's the reality. It's not like, I want my life to be better, so let me add on a little bit of a, of a Jesus, a little godliness. No, you got to come to him, and you got to be completely surrendered so that he can completely work and have his way in your life, right? Don't hold on to anything. you got to surrender. Here's what I'm talking about in surrender. I want to do a little um, object lesson for you guys. Are you guys good for that? You down for that? Remember back in grade school, you did the object lessons or whatever? Okay, Paco, can I call you up on here? You guys welcome Paco as he comes up real here to the stage real quick. So Paco is standing right here, and I'm talking about surrender. I'm talking about when you come to Jesus, it is an absolute, you got to surrender, your will, right? So here, pretend with me for a moment that I am a police officer, okay? Can you guys imagine that? I know you can't, but stretch your memory, your, your little skills, your mind. Captain Carl, just call me that, okay? Any real police officers in the room here? So just so I, is there any real police officer? I just want to know how bad I'm embarrassing myself. Okay, good. I'm, I'm pretty cool here. Okay, so imagine I'm a police officer. Now, now, now bear with me on this, okay? And what do you do when you're like, um, uh, you know, you, what you see in the situation on TV, so that's why it may not be real life, but you know, so all I learned about being a police officer is from TV and movies. So if I'm a police officer and I see someone that's, that's messing up their life or the lives of others or in danger or possible criminal or suspect or whatever, what do they always do on TV is they freeze, right? And what do you do? Hands go right up. I don't know if they really say that in real life, freeze, but anybody know from personal experience? <laughs> Just checking. Um, maybe they say stop or hold it or don't move or, you know, whatever, but they say freeze, turn around, right? Turn around. Go ahead, Paco. Just, <laughs> that's why I'd make a terrible cop. No one listens to me. But they say freeze, right? Because you're not supposed to look at them. Why? Because they want to catch you off guard. Then the second thing they do is put your hands on your head. Right, you put your hands on your head, and, and then sometimes they'll zip tie you or handcuff you or whatever. You know, watch the show Cops. They throw you down on the ground or on the, in the, the police car or whatever. But you know what this posture is right here? This is a sign of absolute giving up of control. I can't even see what I'm dealing with. My hands are up here, so I can't reach for anything. And then maybe they're, they're, they're zip tied or handcuffed or whatever, and they're, you're stuck. But you're at this place where you are completely vulnerable. 
where you're completely out of your control to try to fight back against anything that is happening to you. And as we're talking about surrender to Jesus, when we really understand surrender isn't just kind of adding Jesus along to your life. Yeah, yeah, I'll kind of go along with what you say. But it looks something more like this. And then here's the second thing that, that, that the cops will do when they get you in a position like this. They want to make sure there's nothing on you that's going to harm you or them or other people, right? So they give you the little pat down, right? I'm not going to get too carried away with this because my wife might get jealous. But... Uh, you know, pretend that I'm patting Paco down. And here's the thing. When you become vulnerable before the Lord and you're in this position, you know, of, of surrender, what comes next is this searching. And this is what I love about what Scripture says. Stay there, Paco. Don't move. Got my eyes on you. The, the Psalm 139, verse 23 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Here's what I mean by surrender. When you surrender to the Lord like this and you go, God, here's my life, you're opening yourself up for him to begin searching you. Going, what, is, what is this unforgiveness and, and unwillingness to repent? Oh, Paco, you know what? That's not good for you. I'm going to go ahead and hold on to that. And you, he looks over here. He pats you down. He's like, what anger and pride and, and envy? Like, oh, you don't need this stuff, Paco. This is, no, I'm going to take this from you before you hurt yourself or hurt somebody. And he starts, you know, searching us all around. He's pulling out, oh, sexual sin. Oh, addictions. Oh, lust. Not Paco personally. I'm just letting you go. He's a good boy. I'm using him as an example. When you become vulnerable and you completely surrender to the Lord, that's when he's allowed to begin to do the work in your life and pull out the stuff that you've been hiding. You guys see what I'm trying to talk about here? And now here's the cool thing about Jesus, that in the regular criminal system, they'd say, you know, you did the crime, you're going to have to do the time, and Paco, I'm going to send you to jail. But here's Jesus now. He goes, hey, take your hands down. I'm Jesus. Good to meet you. Let's hang out. Call me sometime, right? And then he goes and you're free to go, I'm going to go to jail for you. I'm going to pay the price for you. Isn't that good? Give Paco a hand, everybody. Give Paco a hand. He's been, he was a good show. But here's, here's the point I'm getting at, guys. If we want to seek after the, the real rested life that, that Jesus is offering us, it's not a little something we add on. It's the fact that I'm surrendered. I have no control. I am completely vulnerable. And God, oh, I'm willing for you to take away the stuff that's bad for my life that you would help me give that stuff up and get rid of it and cleanse it out of my life so that I can begin to experience what real rest and freedom is all about. And you're not going to hold me accountable for all the sins that I've done. In fact, you did the opposite. You let me go. You set me free so that I could walk in a relationship with you. You paid the price on the cross for what I deserve. Is that good or what? See, that's the surrender that we're talking about, but you only get this kind of rest and stuff when you completely surrender. So rest requires that we know Jesus is the source, that it requires surrender. And here's the third thing is rest requires relationship. Did you catch in there in this verse that we were reading here that Jesus was saying, come with me, but he says, walk with me, work with me. There's this togetherness aspect that he's going, I'm going to make it easy on you. All I want you to do is get close to me. He's, he doesn't say, here's how you have to go get religious and do all of this stuff. He's saying, I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That means don't become a Christian and think that you have to get super crazy religious and compare yourself to other people and be as holy as the guy that you know that's been a Christian for two years and you just got saved last week and you're, you can never make that standard. 
Jesus isn't trying to force change on you. It's more you surrendering and just let him kind of work with you to, hey, you mind if I take this out of your life right there, Carl? What else are you willing to give me? Because I want to change you. But he goes at our pace. He doesn't force himself. Some of us feel so guilty to even come in here to church today, and he's going, no, that's cool. You're just getting close to me. You realize that he's just saying, work with me, walk with me, just follow after what I'm doing. It's not a bunch of rules and religion and structure and all of that. It's just get close to Jesus. How do you get close to Jesus? Because someone asked me um, last week, I think it was a prayer request. I'm not, I'm, I'm far from my relationship with God and I need to get back close to him. And all Jesus is saying is just come and experience me, get close to me. Like when you were, when I was a teenager and I was dating or trying pre-dating, right? When you just kind of like someone and you're checking them out. And the stuff that you do is anything you can do to get close to that person, to know them. And so there's no right or wrong way. It's not like you need to date that person four times a week and pay for every meal and you need to call them on the phone and write them this many love letters. You just kind of do whatever it takes to get to know that person, right? You guys remember that? Back in the puppy love, exciting stages and now we're all married and like, uh, it's just like, no, I hope not. But in that early stage, I remember anything I could do. Hey, who's that girl? What's her name? Kanani. Oh, she's kind of cute. Hey, who's, who's her friends? I'm going to go get close to her friends so I can figure out how to get close to her. Hey, how you guys doing? Right? And you get in there and you talk to the friends and know, hey, is she single? She is? Oh, right on, right? And then maybe perhaps in today's day and world, what you would do is like they post stuff on Facebook and you just like every single post that they do. Like, 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 right? Their whole history. Like, 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 like. So they'll notice you, right? And then you start getting brave enough to put a couple comments on there. Hey, good job. You know, I like you, you know, or whatever. And in the, the teenage scene, I remember it was like, we're all going to one place and, and she's riding in that car and it looks like they got room for one more. And you're like, make sure that one more is you, right? And you can sit next to her. Anything you can do, then you begin to slowly start talking. You, I remember she showed up at my mini church and I was all stoked and she was looking for some other guy. I was like, ah, oh, right? So I had to like work my game and I had to get close and I had to talk. But what you're doing is just, you're just trying to get close to them. And I think we, we look at Christianity so wrong when we give people all of these rules and, and these standards for this is how you have to be a good Christian. I believe that you go at your pace and you begin to slowly meet Jesus. I believe that the person that's in here that's far from God today and they just decide, I like those music songs that we were singing. I don't really care for whatever that guy was talking about. But could I get a CD of that? And you pop in a CD that, that brings you closer to Jesus and you start getting that much closer to Jesus. I've known people that have gone to mini church for a couple years without ever setting foot in church because they're slowly at their own pace getting close to Jesus. Are they wrong? Should we judge them? No. You know what's happening is they're at their pace getting closer to Jesus and coming into his glory, slowly starting to read the word of God, slowly starting to come to church, hanging out with Jesus' people so that the Jesus rubs off on you as well. Do you guys understand what it is to get close to Jesus? If you're looking for peace, it involves relationship. To some of us, we're at a degree where it's like, I'm in my word every day and I'm reading devotions. I go to church as much as I can. That's the level of grace that you have at, at, at your place in life. Stay close to Jesus. But some people, they're far away. And I would encourage you, if you came to church today for the first time, you're on track. You're right where you need to be. God is blessed that you are here and you are getting close to Jesus. He's not going to force you to do anything. You just slowly come to him. Is that good? So it's about relationship. We have to remember that. It definitely is all about relationship. But remember, it's that we got to just hang out with Jesus. John 16, he says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will definitely will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
Jesus is the source of peace. Just get close to him and you're going to have peace no matter what. 20 years ago, I, wanna, I went on a mission trip, one of my first mission trips to Okinawa, Japan. And we were reaching out to kids over there and, and giving them the love of Jesus and, and doing Bible studies with them. And we saw a bunch of kids saved and baptized. And we've been in contact with some of those kids for the past 20 years that they've gone on and they lived successful Christian lives. And we're proud that we got to do that. But 20 years ago, we go to Okinawa and, and as we're there during the week or so that we're there a couple weeks, they're having a typhoon which is like a big, huge hurricane thing over the ocean. And, and it comes over the land, over the island of Okinawa. And we're all kids from Hawaii and we're freaking out. We're thinking we're gonna die and we're gonna get carried away on the hurricane and all that. And they're like, no, we get a few of them every year. It's no big deal. We just get cable tie straps and tie our roofs down so they don't blow away and park our cars together so they don't crash into each other. And we're just like, what? You know, and, and the storm comes and we're all boarded up in this little public school library. And I remember just being scared and praying and telling everybody back home, pray for us. And the wind starts coming and trees are getting whipped around, you know, and all of this stuff. And it wasn't as bad as we thought, but it was scary. It was more wind than we've ever experienced here in Hawaii, you know. And so we see all of this just chaos happening. And, oh, no, I hope that the building's handled. Are we okay? We're in there praying, right? And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the wind just dies down. And then it just gets completely still completely dead, completely peaceful, not even any wind blowing, it's just quiet. And we're thinking, oh, the storm passed, is the storm over? And the locals are like, no, no, you know, we're just, we're in the eye of the storm right now. It's like, what, really? Yeah, you can go outside, you can hang out for a little while, and then it's gonna pass over. I'm like, no way. So we go outside and it's just like, quiet. There's like nothing going on out there. And it's just this feeling of absolute, total just stillness and peace. And sure enough, within a few minutes, like the eye had moved to, from where we were, and we got the other side of, of the storm, and we weathered through that thing. But I'll never forget that feeling of knowing, I can't see it, but miles around me, surrounding me, there's chaos happening. But we're standing right here in this quiet, peaceful eye. And what Jesus is saying to us here is, if we want to live a life of rest, there's two ways that I think he can miraculously take away the problems in our life. Number one, we pray and we say, God, help me. Miraculously, he will take away the problem in our life. And we praise God and we give testimony for that. But the second way, which I think is even more miraculous, is the times that the storm doesn't go away, the trial doesn't go away, the hurt, the pain, all of that stuff doesn't go away. And yet in the midst of it, we're like in that quiet eye and we're just going, I have peace. I don't know why. And your friends at work are going, how do you do that? You're hurting and we want to help you. And you're just like, no, you know what? I have a peace about this situation. No, that's, that's wrong. You're, you're, you're going crazy. You're this, you're that. You're like, no, I feel good. I slept good last night. I'm okay. I may look like whatever I look like, but my soul is at peace. I have rest. Why? Because I know that the source of my peace is in Jesus Christ. And if I stay next to him, he stays wherever that eye of the storm is. And sometimes the storm dissipates and sometimes I got to ride it out as it washes over me, but I'm all good because I'm in that peace. Is that good? And so we got to understand it's this, this relationship that he wants to have with us. If we stay next to him, we stay in the source. So to me, that verse means a lot. I've relied on that verse a lot in the past valley I've walked through and realized that, man, that the problem didn't necessarily all go away, but somehow I have peace in the midst of it. Here's a second verse, and I'm going to have to speed through this one because I know I've taken a lot of time on the first one. Here's a second one. Philippians 1, verse 6, and it ties in with the first one. 
It says, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, a church that had, he had started earlier, and then he left to go travel and, and spread the word of the Lord everywhere else. And he's in Rome, in jail, writing to these guys, and, and they're starting to have some problems and persecution and suffering. And he goes, hey, stay strong. Stand strong. Consider it joy to go through this suffering. It's okay. You know, God has got us. Don't look at our past and where we're at right now, but let's press on towards the future. And he's just encouraging them. And so he says in verse 6 of chapter 1, he goes, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you. What's the good work? Well, the good work is the, the message of grace and peace and God's love that he's forgiven me, that miracles are beginning to take place, that I'm finding peace, I'm finding rest, I'm able to share with other people and bring them out of the storm and into the eye with me. And God is good and I'm experiencing all of that. The good work that he started, Paul says, I'm certain that God who began that good work within you is going to continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Well, how does this tie in with the very first one? Well, the first one is if I go to Jesus, he can give me peace within the storm. The second one reminds me that every day is gonna bring a new storm. That every day is gonna bring new storms, but the same Jesus, the same God, the same Holy Spirit that started that amazing work of peace in my life, here's the first thing you can write down about this, is he's with me in every new storm. He's with me in every new storm. When I thought I was all good and had peace in that area, I wake up the next morning and now something in the world is throwing a new storm at me that I can hold on to this verse that says, he started that good work, he's gonna keep doing that good work. That means that storm he's capable of fixing, the next one, the next one, the next one. So just hold on. Is that encouraging? Is it that wherever you're at right now, some of us maybe today have found out some bad news and we're like, I just got over this and now I'm dealing with this. And God's going, no, I, I'm gonna continue the work that I'm doing in your life. First Peter 5, 7 says that we should give all our worries and cares to God because he cares about us. Not just the worries and cares of yesterday and then go, oh, I, don't, I hate to bug God again. No, God's going, don't worry. I did that before, I'm gonna do it today, I'm gonna do it tomorrow, I'm gonna keep doing it until you see me and my son face to face at the end of your life. Isn't that good? That it's a promise that says he's still working. So every new storm that comes our way, he can still bring us to that point of peace. Here's the second thing I want you to, to see in this passage about beginning and continuing the good work. Is it, he's with me even when I cause the new storm. You guys understand what I just said there? When that new problem that happened in your life is all because of you, God is still with you even in that one. Here's, here's something about, that, uh, about Christianity that I think we forget. Um, there's a verse we're going to read here that says, his mercies are new for us every morning. We believe that God operates on the system of justice that says you get what you deserve. And he does to some extent. Because that's how we all operate. In life, I get what I, what I deserve. If I did the action, then here comes the consequence. But God goes above and beyond justice, and he brings in grace. And he goes, I'm not only going to give you what you deserve, I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve, salvation. You, you sinned, you turned your back on God, you turned away from me, and really, you don't deserve to have a relationship with me, or freedom, or love, or any of that stuff, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, because I'm going to give you my grace. Grace is an undeserved favor and gift from God, right? Pastor Tom talked about that last week. But here's the other thing that he gives us on top of justice and grace. He gives us mercy. Mercy now is God not giving us what we do deserve. Because we as Christians, Romans tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. And all we truly deserve as human beings is eternal death, eternal life in hell. 
And that's like, oh, that's harsh. Sorry, that's, I don't write the word of God. He writes it. I just believe it, right? He says that. We don't deserve that. But every single day, he says, my mercies are new for you, meaning everything that you do, everything that I look at, yeah, you deserve this. I'm not going to give that to you. Instead, I'm going to give you grace and love and peace and hope for another day because I love you. We're stuck in the whole justice thing. I get what I deserve, and people get that. And God's going, but I operate in grace and in mercy. It says in Lamentations 3, verse 19, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. You know what that says? When I'm the cause of the storm in my life, God doesn't hold that against me. The same God that started that work of forgiveness in me continues to work his forgiveness in my life every day. The word of God tells us that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That we need to get over our own sins and problems and stuff we bring on ourselves. Why? Because Jesus already died for it on the cross. We need to forget about our past, leave the past in the past, and focus on where he has us now and the future that he has for us tomorrow. Is that good? Is that we got to understand that I'm not going to live with all of this, even if I cause the storm, and it's, it's not about that anymore. My story isn't finished. God didn't write a book saying, this is the life and times of Carl Moore, and that last thing he did, oh, it's over, the end. God didn't do that for me. He didn't do it for you. He's still working, and he's still forgiving us. The same God that started that book is continuing to work on that book, and our story is not finished. And I just, I just love that. But here's the third thing I want to point out about this verse. And we just talked about it, is God is still working on me, and I'm only getting better. That we should all remember this phrase that says, I'm a work in progress. And it's okay to be exactly where I'm at. That God is continuing to work on me. I'm not there yet. And I don't need to be in anybody's estimation. I'm a work in progress. And turn to someone next to you right now and tell them that. Hey, I'm a work in progress. Go ahead, tell someone. Get used to saying that. Tell someone next to you, I'm a work in progress. God's not done with me yet. Give me a break. Take it easy, right? I'm a work in progress. And you know what that does for me? It frees me to say that God is not going to give up on me, so I better not give up on me, right? That Christianity is a marathon, not a sprint. So you just keep going. You just keep getting up every day and remembering that God is with me. He's still working on me. I'm only getting better. My 12-year-old son, Isaac, I call him Buzz, but he was, he's here today. He, um, he's recently caught the bug to go surfing, right? And I've always wanted him to be a surfer because I am, and I always thought it would be so cool for us to surf together. But recently now, at 12, 12 years old, seventh grade, he's really recently got the bug to go surfing. So he starts off at Kailua Shore Break, Kalamas. Anybody ever been down there, right? The waves only get about this big, and it's sand bottom, so it's kind of safe, and it's fun. And he gets these short little rides, and he's loving it. He's getting good. He stands up. He's going down the line. He's starting to get a feel for surfing. And I start going, man, I want him to... To, to grow even more. Like, I want him to progress. So I start taking him out to other places that I surf at, right? I took him to town where it's super crowded and people are vibing him out, you know, and they're just like kind of, hey, watch out. And so he had to deal with that a little bit. And he's like, oh, dad, it's people are grumpy over here and it's so crowded and whatnot. I go, no, that's okay. I'm right here. I'll make sure you get waves, right? So I paddle in and block for him and help him get waves and whatnot. He's like, I go, is that good? He goes, yeah, it's good. But oh, I don't know if I like the crowds and all that. I go, no, this is good experience for you. Learning how to like be in crowds and everything. Then I take him out to the east side and it was kind of a big day. 
We start off in the, in the inside section. He's like, oh, this is pretty good. I go, okay, let's go to the outside. Well, it's kind of big out there. Nah, you got this. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's go. Paddle out to the outside. He, he catches one. He's like, well, it's fun. And then he gets worked a couple times. Boom, right? But I'm right there. And I grab him. Hey, you're good. You're good. He's like, I'm not good, you know? And I go, no, it's cool. It's good. You caught a couple waves. You're learning. He's like, I don't know about learning. You know, I don't want to learn. And then I take him, I take him somewhere else. I take him to North Shore. And he's got to paddle out through rocks. And then he catches a wave. And he goes on the inside, then he can't get back out to save his life the rest of the day. He can't get back out. Why? Because there's this current that's so strong. And I'm teaching him, now you know about currents. And this is how they go and where they go and how to paddle around them. He goes, I don't know if I like currents. I don't like, I like all this stuff, right? I take him down to Sandy's um, by Alan Davis and by Irma's side. And the waves just jack up on the reef over there. So he's going over the falls every wave. And he's like, oh, what, Dad? And I go, no, it's good, it's good. When you fall, though, it's shallow over here, so just make sure you fall real flat on your back or your stomach so you don't go deep and cut yourself, right? Sure enough, he cuts his foot. Dad, I'm bleeding. I'm like, you're good, you're good. Don't worry about it. I'm right here. I'm with you. Next wave, his leash breaks and goes all the way into the rocks, and so I come right over. He's panicking, swimming out there alone. He's panicking. I give him my board. I go, don't worry. I got you. He's bummed, but he has my board. I swim in, get his board. I bring it back out. And, and, and he goes, I, I'm ready to go in already. He goes, oh, no, you got to catch one wave. Oh, dad, right? He catches a wave. I go, you feel better? He goes, yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't like the rocks. I don't like this. You're taking me where there's crowds and there's big waves and there's currents and there's this and there's that. And I said, well, son, here's what you got to realize. You don't even know it, but you are becoming a better surfer because you're having to go through all of these different types of conditions and learn and all these things. You're going to go back to Kailua shore breaks, back to Kalamas, and you're going to be a better surfer than all of those kids because you got out of the safe little zone and you had to go through all the trials and the, the hurts that surfing has to offer, and you're getting better. You know how to deal with all these things. You continue to get better and better and better. And this is what God is saying to me. Carl, you got to go through some storms. You got to walk through them. Realize if you stick next to me, I'm your source of peace. My son was in trouble in all those areas, but guess who was right there with him? His dad. And guess who's right there with us in all of our trials? Our dad. And as we go through life seeking him, and Jesus said, come work with me, walk with me, stick with me. It's going to be like that eye in the, in the hurricane, in the storm, and you're going to be okay, and you're going to get through it. And not only are you going to get through that one, but the next storm, the next storm you caused yourself, the next day, you're going to continue to get better and better. Christianity is a process. We are all a work in progress, and we're only getting better. Is that good? I hope that spoke to you a little bit. I went over on the clock. I'm sorry about that, but can we just bow our heads and pray today, and we'll send you right out into the storm? <laughs> Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, I thank you personally, Father God, for my church that loves me and put up with me being out there, kind of going through the trials and, and coming to strengthen you and knowing where I am and knowing where I'm grounded and knowing that we're moving forward together as a church, as a people, and you've got big plans for us in this world. And sometimes we've got to weather the storms. We've got to go through them because you're teaching us. You're, you're doing something in our lives. And Lord, we know that no matter what the world looks like around us, if we're close to you, we can have that peace of mind, peace of heart, peace in our soul. It may look kind of crazy out there, but God, next to you is, is the eye. It's, it's the stillness. It's the peace. Knowing very well a new storm's coming tomorrow, but you're in that storm as well. And that you're constantly using that stormy process to build character in our lives, to build strength, to build faith. So that, Lord, someday we'll be able to speak this to other people and help them through the storms of life as well. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Help us to be a people that would trust you with the storms and find peace in the midst of all of that. And I pray right now if there's anybody else in the room as our, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, 
If there's anybody out here that you've yet to meet this Jesus in a real way and really have yet to really know the real peace that he is only capable of giving you, nothing else in life but him as the source. If you're someone that came here today looking for God and you kind of feel like, man, the light just turned on, I kind of get it now. I want to have a relationship with Jesus and I don't have to look all religious and be compared to other people, but God's going to work with me and he's going to help me and he's going to walk with me. He's going to show me what needs to change in my life. I don't have to be expected to change all on my own. He's going to help me. And if you kind of understand that today and you're at a place where you're ready to say yes to what he's offering you, forgiveness and the power of his Holy Spirit walking and moving in your life every single day, and you'd like to say, yeah, pastor, I want in. I went in on the family of God. I want to know and stand and live in the fact that I'm a Christian and God is at work in my life bringing me peace on the daily. If that's you, I'd love to say a prayer with you here in a minute. What we're going to do is I'm going to say the prayer out loud. I won't ask you to pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart of hearts to God. He judges us on our heart. He knows what's going on in the depths of our heart. But I'm going to say the words out loud and you just kind of join me in the words. You make it the prayer of your heart and God hears you. And you begin to change, you begin to live for him and walk with him and watch what he can do in your life as you you pace yourself with his unforced rhythms of grace and you accept what you don't deserve, but you realize that there's a God in heaven that loves you and thinks you do deserve it and you're worth dying for. And so if you'd like to make this decision to just come to Jesus and become really a Christian, a follower of him and know what he's all about today, I want to say a prayer with you. And maybe you're someone that you, you thought you knew God, and maybe you were a Christian a long time ago, but you kind of haven't been living in, so you're not sure maybe if you still are a Christian or what's going on, but, but maybe it's like, I, I heard of him before, but I, I need to come back. I need to make this thing real. What I had before maybe was religious, but what I want now is this relationship with Jesus that loves me and can give me peace. So if this prayer is for you as well, if you feel like you're just coming back and just kind of rededicating. But I'm going to say the words of this prayer, and you just kind of pray it along with me in your heart. But um, before we pray, I want to I do one thing. I just want to ask with every eye closed and head bowed. I'm going to kind of ask to see who actually wants to pray this prayer with me. I want to know who I'm praying with so I can make it personal, and I want to rejoice with you as I pray this prayer. So, so really, with, with no one else looking here, if you would just, on the count of three, I'm going to count to three, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want to pray this prayer. I'm, I'm ready for this step. If you could do that on the count of three, one, two, and three. Just lift your hands right now. I see hands going up around the room. Hold them up until I see you and acknowledge you because I'm so proud of you and so blessed right now what you're doing. I see one hand over here. I see two, three. I see four. I see five. I see six. I see seven. I think I saw a couple that might have went down. There's at least seven, maybe eight people here today that are making this decision. And if I missed you, don't worry. God did not miss you. He sees you. He's proud of you. Go ahead and put your hand down right now. Just pray this with me in your heart of hearts as I pray out loud. I give you words to your heart right now. And here it goes. God, I'm here today and I realize that I need you. In fact, I want you. I'm tired of the burdens that I carry in life. I'm so tired of it and I can't do anything about it. I try, I try, I try and nothing seems to work. So God, I'm turning to you. I'm taking a step of faith. I'm taking a chance with you here today. Lord, I'm willing to acknowledge that you, Jesus Christ, you love me and that you are real and that you came down in the form of a man 2,000 years ago and you walked this earth and you gave people your message and you introduced them to God and then you paid the ultimate price. You went and died on a cross, a sinner's death, although you had no sin. You did it for me. You did it for everyone that would call upon your name, that would say, Jesus, save me, that you are the Savior, the Messiah. I believe that you died on that cross and you put my sin, guilt, shame, hurt, all of that to death. You paid the price for me. And then the third day, you rose from the dead. 
to prove that you are God and you are powerful over death and sin and, and shame and guilt and all of that. So I believe that you did that for me personally, Father God. I believe that from this moment on, I can have freedom in you as I learn to walk with you in the power and the grace of your Holy Spirit in my life. And I can have a relationship with God the Father in heaven. So Lord, from this moment on, I'm telling you, I will follow you. I will hold on to you. I will get close to you one step at a time. Thank you for having patience with me. Thank you for loving me and allowing me to walk at my pace into a relationship with you. Thank you for beginning, as I trust you, to calm the storms in my life to put me in the eye and to realize that there's gonna be more storms, but you're always there. And the more that I walk through, the better I get. And that your work in me is not finished, so I'm not gonna give up on myself because I know you're not giving up on me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for all that you've done in my life right now as I just said yes to you. Help me to begin walking towards you every day of my life. Thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. Let's praise God for those people that made that decision this morning.